Welcome to episode 840 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righty, and T, welcome along to episode 840 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Well, I'm good, Bevan. You've got some explaining to do. The, the, st- the, the streak's over. The streak's over. And so I'm sitting at home on Monday night last week, and I, I reckon I was, we record on Tuesday mornings, I reckon I was almost the worst prepared for a podcast ever for the next morning going, I did, think, I did wonder if you were going to put a show out. <laughs> God, I haven't got much content for tomorrow. I have to get Bevan to do something. And then I get a text from Joe, his wife, Bevan's wife, going, uh, no podcast tomorrow, Bevan's in ICU. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. So we're sitting there waiting, waiting, waiting. What the hell's wrong with Bevan? And uh, so now all is revealed. So basically what happened was we went out Saturday night and sometimes when I overeat, and this is <laughs> <laughs> expansion of the stomach, sometimes, like once every 18 months, if I overeat or eat a combination of food that doesn't work, mm-hmm. I'll get like I'll get home and I have a crook gut, but also like stabbing in my back mm. and like really bad. And, and I come home, I'll take some Nurofen, I basically groan in bed all night, mm. but by morning it's kind of gone. And Saturday night we went out, caught up some friends, that was the experience I was having. Sunday felt average, but... Kind of sit on the couch, watch, watch, watch a movie kind of day. Not terrible. So much so that I still thought I'd be teaching on Monday at the gym. Mm-hmm. So I still think I was going to teach. Woke up Monday morning, my bed was bloody, bloody lake, you know, like yeah. I just sweat like you wouldn't believe. So felt pretty crap Monday morning. So I took the day off, got everyone sorted. And then came up here and kind of sitting with you on my couch and watching just some, I watched some movie and about nine o'clock, I just started shaking, like mm. kind of a little, not like v- too vigorously, but started shaking and started groaning, just started feeling like real crap. And Joe came upstairs and she said, should I, call, should, should I take you to after hours? Now, after hours are hopeless. Yeah, you're going to be there after <laughs> yeah. hours for a long time, <laughs> yeah. as we all know. And so I said, why don't you give him a call first? And that's the last I remember. Yeah. So then I faint in Joe's arms. Poor girl, it, it must have been horrible for her because we, like, she, we lost her dad this year, so it's been a pretty tough yeah. year for her. Um, I think I was spewing and I think I first, first started spewing and just convulsing and kind of shaking and then I just basically faint. She rings the ambulance, um, takes for a while for them to get there. Basically at the end there's like three ambulances here, mm. um, the builders next door holding the IVs and all the rest of it. Um, and I think for Joe there was probably a moment where she thought I was going to die, which is mm. horrific for her. So um, they take me to hospital, put me, I don't know what's happening in the hospital. So... Um, and then the next morning I wake up, I, I must. I think I remember seeing the clock at 8.30. And luckily I'm not a panicker. I just kind of thought, oh, Joe must have sent me to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was, basically the, it was basically like 20 hours later I wake up. Um, and they didn't, they didn't know what had happened. Mm. Well, they, she, said, she sent me a message saying, uh, on Tuesday, I think, saying the breathing tube is out. And I was like, holy shit, man, you got a breathing tube. Yeah, man. like I, I woke up, I couldn't talk, <clears> had wires in me everywhere, cables, you know, tubes in me everywhere, things up my nose, couldn't talk. Um, and they just didn't know what happened. So it turns out it was my appendix. Mm. But um, they still didn't know. Like, to the the good thing about it was they tested everything. Mm. And my heart rate, resting heart rate, still out of my age, just still, like, I think it's like 40, average about 42 nowadays. So at 45 years old, that's extremely low. Mm. So they checked my heart, they checked that. And because 
with appendix that never happens mm. you know what, what what that moment of me having to go to hospital so uh, the good thing is is there doesn't seem to be any damage or bigger cause mm. uh, it was a tough week but because the problem was so I wake up Monday yeah, just kind of got through the day they said don't eat because you might have an operation tomorrow so then that's awesome. that's punishing well wait for this <laughs> so then Tuesday comes no so Tuesday then Tuesday nights I said don't eat again because you get an operation tomorrow yeah so it's now been yeah no so I've gone it happened Monday hadn't eaten for 24 hours because I was in ICU once I came out of ICU they didn't let me eat Tuesday night Basically got out of ICU, got in my room. They said, you're going to get the operation on Monday, on Wednesday. So Wednesday, go down to get my operation. They go, actually, we want to get more tests because we're a bit worried about, well, mm. you know, we don't know what's actually happened. So then that's cool. That happens twice throughout the day. So mm. then I'm, all I want is food. Yeah. <laughs> all I want is food. And they said, look, we can't give you food because, um, you, you, you know, you might be needing an operation. So I, I thought seven o'clock or five or seven o'clock at night, operations will close. I go, no. They go to 10 o'clock, mate. You'll be right. You'll, be operation. <laughs> You'll guarantee you get operation tonight. 10 o'clock at night, they walk into my room and say, oh, actually, there's no operation for you tonight. So I've gone two and a half days without food. Oh, I was so hungry. And then by then, you're so starving, you can't eat anything. So yeah. I basically had a sandwich and a piece of cake. Um, and it was just a long, miserable week, yeah. you know. But but luckily, of all the things that could have been and the, the horrible situation my poor wife had to go through, um, it's appendix operation, like it's kind mm, of yeah. pretty straightforward. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like all the things that could have happened. Mm. Um, so I feel a bit, I feel a bit gut sore right now, a bit fatigued. Um, but overall, God, can't complain. God, yeah, can't say I've ever been in an ambulance. No, well, I don't remember it. No, you know, what a waste of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to say two things. If you work in the medicine field in our work in our country, you're a bloody legend. Everyone was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, a they're just really communicative. Um, doing really good work. My life, the day the operation got delayed was a bit frustrating, but I could understand why. Um, but B, they've got a great heart. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, great heart. And you walk out of the hospital and it's been a week there, done operations. No, you just pay nothing. Yeah. You know, like you do think, I'm glad I live in this country. Yeah, totally. You know, now we have got medical insurance so we could mm -hmm. afford to pay for it. But, you know, you walk out, I think we'll pay for an ambulance bill, which mm -hmm. might be a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks, but... Mm. I'm glad we live in this country, I tell you. Mm. So that's, that's my news. But good news is I'm healthy, healthy, certainly healthy. I won't be doing a marathon next week, John. <laughs> <laughs> we did a walk yesterday. It was about 14 minute K. So you'll be a bit of time back to fitness, oh, well. but that's okay. Good to have you back. Thank you, mate. Anyway, um, on the big scale, let's talk about the, this Hold week's up. show. Okay. Uh, yep. Oh, sponsors. Yep. First of all, we've got our sponsors. Form goggles. If you get the most accurate real-time metrics, hundreds of guided workouts, and lap-by-lap -lap motivation, check them out at formswim.com. Use the code IM15. And our patrons. We're going to go Michael, call me Sir Turner. Matthew, the mighty mole Reagan. We've got Ian cashing in banks. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got a quiz question. We've got an interview. We are talking to Hannah Wells. She's a fantastic Kiwi athlete who's been starting to take on the world this year. Just think we've got a, just a, a, sort of a little bite into that international cherry and she's going to start smoking it in the next few years. Uh, all, all being said, she's had a really good season and uh, more to come from her. So you're going to hear from Hannah Wells. Throwback Tuesday. This is a new feature. Okay. This, this was what I was, I was clutching at straws last <laughs> week. So I left it in this week's show. We'll see how time goes, whether we need that in there or not. Because you changed it at your notes because you had a coach's corner. I did. I was thinking there's too much in there. So, okay, so, so now you've gone from not enough to too much yeah. to a new segment. Yeah. 
Throwback Tuesday. Okay, wing of the week questions announced at the end. So uh, over the weekend we had the US Open, both the males and female races, and they delivered, didn't they? Oh, did they? What? Yeah, I, th- I I haven't actually seen the female race, but I heard it was pretty close going. Yeah, I didn't uh, watch the females race live. I was uh, was race directing, uh, and so I just went back and scanned through it. But yeah, last week when I was doing the picks for the weekend, so I was going on to obstry.com and doing sort of their fantasy picks. It was hard. It was such a stacked field on both the males and the females. I and the fact like, you didn't oh. have Norwegians, yeah, you know, like the Ma- you, you know two top guys in the world there, yeah, it made it real way more interesting as a race. It did, uh, and so quality fields, quality money, uh, and the big difference between this and Canada was really good racing that kept you enthralled. And a lot of you guys will have watched it, so we don't want to, you know, re- rehash what, you, what you've already seen. But million dollars prize money up, so that was fantastic. Um, the women's race... Look at that run time. <clears throat> unbelievable. So one, one thing about this race and what made it interesting was it was hot. And that's what made the race fantastic because there was quite a bit of carnage out there. Um, the course, I really liked the look of the course. It was it was flat and there was big packs sort of forming on the bike, but they looked, from what I could see, to be pretty legal, except for when they were kind of coming through the transition area. But it was a it, was, it looked like a really nice venue. And the, the, this, the, the footage just doesn't show the heat. You know, it just looked like yeah. a normal sunny day. Where, where was it in Houston? It was in uh, Dallas. I'd be, I'd, I'd, it is hot in that part of the world. Oh. But beautiful venue, nice looking place for a swim. Yeah, the, the bike was a flat course, and it was nice to have that variety from what we saw in Edmonton. This time, you know, it was more, you know, a course suited to someone like a Lionel Sanders. You, know, you just get in there and you're just time trialing. <clears throat> Jeez, geez, what a, so, so what happened? Because I don't know much about this race. So what happened was you had a breakaway in the swim with um, Taylor Nib and Lucy Charles Barclay. Um, <clears throat> they rode away. I didn't watch all of the footage, but Lucy Charles. It's a bit like Lionel Sanders on the run. You go, so much respect. You look terrible on the run, Lionel Sanders, but you run so fast. And equally, Lucy, oh, not a, a good no, no, Lucy Charles on the bike oh, okay. have that same feeling. It's like, you are a beast. You are so strong on the bike, yet you're not particularly skilled and uh, and made a few errors. So for those that didn't see the footage, like at one stage she couldn't get a bottle into into the cage behind her seat. I, couldn't, I didn't see whether it had fallen down a bit, but she just... It just just it didn't basics. look professional, yeah. and she'd also apparently uh, the battery on her Di2 or on her, her um, charger went flat, and she was only in one gear for the part of the bike. So Lucy Charles was was at a disadvantage there, but still did fantastically to finish third. So of the athletes that finished in the top five, um, everyone probably would have had Asher Gentle, Taylor Nib, Lucy Charles, Barkley in their top three. I also had Flora Duffy in there and Paula Finlay, and they both didn't have such great races. Um, but Ashley Gentle just a weapon on the run, uh, a 104.59. From what I see, there's another person who did 108. Tamara Jewett did 108, and she's... Yes, 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 because we interviewed her, didn't we? Yeah, she's just got these amazing run times. So, and she put four minutes on her. Yeah, and so there's nobody else that went under 110. Most are sort of 111, 112, 113, 114, that sort of range. So if you heard her run 104... Now, is, that, is that typical? Like She's a great runner. But that is special, that isn't is it? That is just... Off the chart. So she a she's a great runner. B she ha- clearly handled the heat extremely well and only ran Taylor Nib down right at the end. Taylor Nib was in a world of pain. Oh really? Um, but she did fantastically well to get second after an in- injury plagued year. And um, had that not been really hot conditions, you'd probably say Taylor Nib would have would have um, possibly hung on for the win. But still fantastic. Lucy Charles third, Holly Lawrence fourth, Lisa Norton fifth, and Flora Duffy. Uh, I picked her to win. 
and she's disappointed me here and at the Collins Cup. She was sort of in a position, she was with the, the main pack sort of coming off the bike and she took off on the run and was sort of uh, looked like she was going to take them all down and then um, went backwards. So she hasn't quite mastered this half Ironman distance, which I find surprising. It's not like every single athlete that comes across from short course is going to make it at, um, at you know, half Ironman and Ironman. But when you are the pretty much the best swimmer, definitely the best biker and the best runner, you kind of should. <laughs> you're not sitting in on the bike, and you've TT'd off the front, so you know how to TT. Um, so yeah, she just hasn't quite figured it out yet, which I find quite strange. Um, when she does, I think she's going to be really, really competitive if she does. So 70.3 worlds will be another interesting challenge for her. Great racing, though. Um, I've got a hat. Any of notes? Uh, of note, Rebecca Clark finishing eighth place. She's a Kiwi uh, lady. We've had her on the show before. That is a massive, massive breakthrough race for her. Really? Like, massive. Way, way, way above anything she's ever done before. So that was cool. Um yeah, a few any, other... Other than the ones you mentioned, any other letdowns? Uh, well, Kat Matthews still looks like she's struggling a little bit. Um, she was down in ninth place. Paula Finlay was right where she kind of, almost right where she wanted to be coming off the bike, but only ran a 1.17. Um, yeah, and there was a few others that looked like they were kind of making up the numbers a little bit. And to, to be fair, you know, if you, if Kona was your big target, but you really still want to go and support this race, someone like a Jackie Herring, she was only down in 14th place. Um you know, she's normally a lot better than that, but I imagine she's focusing on Kona and but still want to go to do this race. It's a US Open, you're American racing on home soil. So I get that not everybody's super prepared for this race. But um yeah, it's those that are more more the short course athletes seem to be just dominating over this distance unsurprisingly. So then yesterday we had the men's race happen. Um I did watch it, but I kinda had the volume on the background while I was working. Uh it was Boil really, over of the century, Bevan. Was it? Boil over of the century. Well, what happened? He went too too early? No, Colin Chartier. Like uh, I looked through Oh, and, as in someone you would never Yeah. I looked through that obs try to see trying to find if anybody picked him. Nobody would have picked him. And he was A for the win. B, probably not even again the top five, like so let's look at his career. A couple of times, he, he's he's done okay at a few races, but this he's is Blanc. off the charts. Yeah, um, yeah, he did win Montreal, and that was a really good performance. But he, other than that, he hasn't had a long career. First of all, yeah, 20, 20th at the seventy point three World Champs. Plenty Won of a challenge race somewhere, podiums and stuff like that on seventy point three. And as a name, you know, um, and I first recall him getting called into that Collins Cup That's last right. year, yeah. and he had and he put in a really good performance, but not something where you're going to beat. Just an absolute rock star style of so, is it, so as you're watching the race, Sam Long makes a pretty aggressive... Oh, Sam Long was great on the bike. And yeah. like him or not, you know, he just, he went for the win. Yeah. Uh, and rode so strong to go through to the front of the group um, from, you know, being way down after the swim. Still not quite as far as they're sometimes down. And he's a beautiful looking runner. I love the way he runs. And when he took off... But you can think, see when he gets tired because he doesn't get the tilt, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he looks great. Uh, when you see the side-on version, he looks amazing. When they do sort of the overhead view, it yeah. does, he just looks a little bit more unstable. But I'm not criticising the dude. You know, he had a great race. Just faded a bit at the end, didn't just he? Just a bit at the end. Yeah. Magda Stitlev was uh, awesome in second. But Chartier looked like he was better, a bloody firecracker with his bum. Yeah. He, he was, was. He just looked, he was on fire. Could have kept going. Yeah, he looked, looked easy for him, didn't it? Won it on the run. And he's been off training with Lionel Sanders for um, the last little period and is off with the, the Norwegian coaches as well. So that's clearly making a difference for him. Um, other races of note, Sam Laylo backed up after, you know, doing the big talk in the Collins Cup and performing really poorly to having a great fourth place. And again, this is like a world championship yeah. field 
except for the Norwegians. Yep. Um, but that was a great performance. So, yeah. Uh, uh, so, disappointments? Daniel Beckengard, I picked him to win, as did, I think, a lot of people. Um, he was probably the main... Sanders? I'm sorry, in line of Sanders. What happened there? It just faded? I haven't seen any comments afterwards, but I believe they did a really big uh, Ironman simulation the weekend before. Okay, so Um, wasn't that key? But I don't know if I've ever seen Lionel Sanders blow up. No. No, you have at Ironman, you've seen him sort of detonate on the run, but I don't don't recall ever seeing him detonate at a Um, 70.3. Because he was about two minutes down off the the bike, wasn't he? He was was right where he needed to be coming off the bike, Um, and if he'd put in a Lionel Sanders stock standard run, he would have been in that um, top five and potentially um, could have been in for the win. So, yeah, that was somewhat surprising. Maybe maybe not a bad thing for him for going for Coney. You know, that's probably his big, big target, and... um, Getting your, your sort of ass kicked a little bit, going you're not the shitty Benitti all the time, um, might be a good thing for Kona. Okay, let's talk about the coverage. Uh, I thought it was it was really good. I, you can't really complain. Um, oh, I just think the only thing is any crowds. Yeah, that was what was odd to me. It was a downtown, well, downtownish race. It was in a residential area. It looked like a ghost town. There's no one, it was, was there? Weird. I just found it really weird yeah. that if I was living in an apartment there, I'd just probably go and sit out on the back porch and just watch them running past like it was really beautiful when they went yeah. around that canal section i just found that weird it was a, it was an afternoon race it wasn't like it was six o'clock in the morning it was 2 30 and because if we had any columns any pto race that has good crowds well they've only had two so but even well, last year oh, collins cup collins so i've had four races so no uh so that was yeah that was a bit weird um but in terms of the coverage i thought it was really good i like telling michael johnson there yep the, i mean there was a bit of times when they you know, your, your audience is going to be triathletes, and they um, and they were kind of stating the obvious a bit, and just sort of talking to him. Yeah, it was a little bit weird. But other than that, yeah, uh, but I kind really of, you know, I didn't mind it because it's kind of like he was, it was, he was kind of asking the questions who don't know, but for people who don't know about triathlon, and I thought it was a good mix. He wasn't on all the time, mm. so it was a good mix where he's coming in. I'd love to know what they paid him. Yeah, yeah, that would have been significant. <laughs> because to get Michael Johnson to do a public talk, I imagine you'd be paying hundreds of thousands if you're oh, a business. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're a business, to get, just to give him to an hour talk, mm. you'd be paying, in America, those guys put like a million bucks a talk. Mm. So to get him to for a couple of days, woo I mean, he got more than any pro at the race. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of what we, the things we always ask for is multiple cam- cameras, they, yep. had, they had that, um, they had the stats, you know, you, you knew where the people were positioned pretty much all the way the through the race. One thing I'd say with that is they go 1 to 5, 10 to 15, why? Uh, they might have scrolled down to that, yeah. It, um, a lot of the time it was 10 to 15. Mm. Why, why don't you do 1 to 10? Yeah. Like 10 to 15 doesn't matter. I know, but well, I guess on the bike it does when you've got people like Sanders and Long so far down. Well, you um, might have one to eight and then significant people back. Mm. But it was just a lot yeah. of times because when Sanders came off the bike, he was in that five to 10 range. Right. And I always wanted to know where he was. And it was like, they'll show me 10 to 15. It's like, well, those people don't matter. <laughs> um, but I thought in terms of the commentary, you know, some of us had a little gripe about the talking over each other a bit and just the commentary team seemed to be blended really nicely. Yep. Um, and so I haven't really got too many complaints there, you know. It's long course racing. It's not always going to be amazingly exciting. Um, but Do they have to choose different locations that love triathlon? I, th- I think so. And I, I think, you know, go to Challenge Road, put yeah. on a long distance there, and then maybe go and, I don't know, like the Alpe d'Huez, go, go to where things are already created, like the Alpe d'Huez Triathlon yeah. or something like that. And we'll maybe come onto that a bit more later on. But yeah, I think rather than creating their own events, that's going to take quite a while to build up. 
Are they having the races maybe. on the same day still? Is it happening? No, the it's a weekend. They have an age group race on the Sunday morning and they have like a sprint. So why are those people watching it? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's it sounded bizarre. like they had a thousand people, but I guess it's quite a spread out area. Yeah, and um, they probably all congregated around there. And the men's race, it's a Sunday afternoon if you were racing. Yeah, you probably well, I don't know. It just didn't seem like there was a lot of people there. Do you know how many were doing the age group racing? Well, they said about a thousand. Oh, so, that's good. Yeah. Let's have a look at the results. Okay. Uh, I'm pause so I can adjust this microphone. Okay, I'm going to pause. He fixes it. <laughs> now it's really close. <laughs> <laughs> We've got these microphone stands. and I'm just going to turn you down now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got these old shitty microphone stands. That well, no, well, I've got the old one. You've got the new one. I know. And I've got the new one. And it's just, we're just, just learning how to use them properly. Hey, it's only been 12 for 16 years or whatever. Absolute gold. <laughs> uh, okay. So we also had Ironman Italy happen over the weekend. Now, I've got to take my head off to Ironman Italy here because um, it was due to happen on Saturday. And I was coaching a guy that was over there, and he's coming in from Malaysia. And the forecast was I'd pre warned saying this time of year, weather can change, be quite changeable in, in places like Italy. And so the forecast was I think he was arriving Thursday, it was 30 degrees, 30 degrees, race day, 12 degrees, torrential rain, really? 90 kilometer an hour winds. Oh, wow. And I'm like, this is why I warned you to get all this shit stuff, which he did, he was sorted, he was okay. But then they actually cancelled uh, Saturday really? and shifted it to Sunday. Is that well, I don't recall. La- the, the, the reason they were able to do it is it was 70.3 happening on Sunday. Okay. So they then shifted the Ironman last minute to Sunday. So the Just Ironman and 70.3 okay. took place. Now, of course, that's going to create some issues on the course and there'll be some drafting and things like that. It would be pretty understanding. But that's a race. And it kind of would really suck if you were travelling home on a Sunday. Yeah, that um, would be the only That would thing. be difficult. But to be honest, if but, you're doing an Ironman, most people would probably move things. Yeah. Um, so I've just got hats off to them for for, for making that happen. And uh, like, we've had races like, cancelled. We've had races shortened. shortened and changed. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall us ever having a race the next day. No. And I don't think they would have been able to do it if they didn't have that 70.3. Yeah. So, so it was good, a female only race, wasn't it? Female pro only race. Uh, Svenja Foes took it out. 58.30 uh, on the swim, 4.33 on the bike, 2.57 on the run, winning by about uh, six minutes or so. Of note here, she was the lady that got DQ'd at Ironman Island uh, only about a month ago or so um, for outside assistance. So oh. backing up um, one month later and putting another winning performance, but this time actually taking the prize check and the Kona qualification for next year, beating out Julie Deron and Joanna Reiter. Now, because I was a slack-ass last week, we didn't talk about Ironman Wales, and uh, the Red Rocket, he loves that race, doesn't he? Yep, uh, he does. He was just uh, waxing lyrical about how awesome it is, and it sounds he like He thinks it really it's better is. than Root. Yep. He says, and he's done both. Yes. He says the experience is absolutely awesome, and uh, every year we get an email from him. To tell it's, us. A, it's a cool course. Uh, he needs a commission. Tenby in uh, South Wales. Um, Beautiful open water swim, long run to transition, uh, massive support from the local communities. Male only race for the pros. Male only pros, uh, and really challenging day on the bike and the Jeepers, run. Yeah, Joe Skipper took five hours. Oh, well, no, there's a story there. So Joe Skipper swam forty nine thirty eight, which is a good swim for him. Yeah, uh, and but bike five hours. Now, normally you'd say Joe Skipper's going to be a bit quicker than that, and he's not going to have the seventh fastest bike ride. He's going to have the probably the fastest bike ride. Um, but he had a mechanical that cost him about twenty twenty five minutes. Oh, Wow. Uh, and then he came back and ran a 237.24. Now, to put that in perspective, I, I checked second place um, on Strava, which is Boris Stein, and a couple of other people, and the run course is accurate, and it's not easy. It's an up and down run. Boris Stein had 42.6 kilometres. So for Joe Skipper to run a 237.24 is staggering. Is that too quick before Kona? Uh 
hard to know. We'll find find out in a couple of weeks' time. Joe's done done this sort of stuff before. Yeah. Um, what it does go to show, though, is a Joe Skipper's a great athlete and in great form, but b is having a bit of a break on the bike. Sometimes it's a bit uh, really beneficial in terms of it's like your rumble theory, isn't it? It's res- learning somebody. Yeah. And uh, somebody else said that to me the other day, and I was like, you know what? I'm not You'd never con- coach it in, but would you? You're not condoning cheating or anything like that. But if you wanted to go out there and think, how can I do this fastest race? For some people, it might be best to draft, get a drafting penalty, go have your five minute break at the first stop, go out, get another drafting penalty, have another five minute stop, <laughs> and you'll make up that 10 minutes plus interest, hopefully, on the run by being a lot fresher. But um, that's taking yeah, that's not uh, not an advisable te- uh, sort of method. But Joe Skipper, that was awesome. If he can reproduce something like that in Kona, um, I don't think he's got it in him to win just because he's got to do so much work on the after the the swim. Um, who, who potentially? Who, who, what pack could he be in? Well, yeah, he could be Liners, with, Lionel? with Lionel Sanders, and they can ride through to to be in a really good position. But it's how much work they've got to do that. And is yep. there anyone else that would be around them that could help? Uh, Cam- Cameron Worth. Um, oh, yeah. Actually, that's a good point. I haven't. I, I watched the Super. I'll go into Super League in a second. Anyway, yeah. Joe Skipper, awesome performance. Um, it was a male only pro race. He beat out Boris Stein by eight minutes uh, and Kevin Morrell. We said I am in Wisconsin. We did indeed. Um, Chloe Lane took that out in nine forty-five. Eight minute victory over Jessica Smith. On the boys' side of it, a blast from the past. He's had loads of um, not so great performances, but Brent McMahon Jeez, took it out. 49 minutes swim, 447 on the bike, 251 on the run, 836 winning by 14 minutes over Cody Beals, and he's no slouch. So the last time he had a good result, well, he won 73, 7.3 Montgomery in 2019, and he won Ironman Canada in 2018, so it's been four years. Yeah, but he's lots of sort of fifth through tenth places, yeah. which at a 70.3 in Ironman, that ain't paying much at all. Uh, so he, Brent McMahon, for a long time, he had like a just amazing streak of sub-eight-hour Ironmans, like all his Ironmans were sub-eights. Hey, just with, with Brett and uh, Joe, they're qualified for next year now, aren't they? Correct. Yeah. So for Joe to do that, it's actually... In some yeah. ways, yeah. But I think Joe just loves to race. Yeah, so Brett's 42 years old. Nice Gee, work. That's good work. Uh, then we also had Almir, was it? Almir, yep. Uh, so that's uh, the challenge race. And taking that out was Katrina Wolf on the female side and Karen Landris from the UK on the boys going 755.44. And on the female side, Katrina Wolf went 9.10.10. And a few other small little races happening around the world. We did. Uh, we had a few 70.3s. So in Dresden, we had Caroline Pohl take that out and Franz Loschke on the boys' side. Sunshine Coast, you'll hear a little bit more about that later on. Uh, Lottie Wilms took that out in front of Hannah Wells. This was the weekend before last. And then Lottie Wilms doubled up and did the um, did the PTO race at the weekend. Uh, Max Newman won by 12 seconds over Stephen McKerner. And we also had 70.3 Santa Cruz, Sarah Crowley. It was a battle of the veterans. Sarah Crowley taking out Marinda Carfrey by four minutes and Eric Lagerstrom taking out uh, Tim O'Donnell. So the uh, O'Donnell-Carfrey household both taking second place. So we had a really cool story come through from Estonian athlete Rat. I'm going to say Ratasep. He is the guy who did, you might remember this a while ago, he did 60 Ironman in 60 days consecutively. And when he did that, he averaged sub-11 Ironman. Mm. which is pretty impressive when you do it 60 days in a row. Well, recently he's broken the five-day Ironman record. So he did five Ironman back-to-back day-to-day. He broke the record by 40 minutes. He averaged a time of 
basically 9.50 really, or high 9.50s really. He did it in a complete time of 49, where is it? 49 minute hours, 32 minutes and 49 seconds. That's blimmin' impressive. That's awesome. 9.53, 9.56, 9.51, 9.53 and 9.57. Would have been a bit... Well, potentially could have been a bit stressful on that day five if you wanted to keep breaking the 10 when you're only leaving yourself two minutes and uh, 12 seconds, you know. Um, but that's uh, that's an awesome achievement. So Sub 10 hours, five of them back to back. First one for, for a top athlete, not that big a deal. Yeah. Second one, probably still... Yeah, but, okay, so if you, were, if you were to take on this challenge... Oh, I've got no idea what I'd do. <laughs> but how, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. No, but what would you aim for? You know, if you're going to go, okay, I am going to do it, mm. and I want to try to get a consistent re- result each day, because mm. you would go with a plan, what kind of, would you, would you go in for like a 10 and a half? I don't know, haven't given that really any thought. Mm. I just think your legs would just be so rooted for the day four and five, or day three, four, five, just, I don't know, just getting through the marathon would be a bloody challenge. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Good well, on him, what was his name again? Uh, it was Rate Rasip from Estonia. Is that nice work? Rastip. I always said Rastip. Rastip. I tell you what. Okay. Our Estonian's pretty shit hot. Was that? <laughs> Our Estonian pronunciation oh, oh, yeah. pretty hot. When it comes to all languages, John, that's what I'm known for, <laughs> yeah. especially the English. Um, okay, also Zwift have brought out a $499 US trainer. So when you say a trainer, what do you mean? Smart trainer. So typically... Like a proper bike? No, no, just the, the one that goes on your, on your back wheel. Okay. Typically, you know, you're looking at uh, at least double that um, okay. for a basic one. So they're coming out and they're just rorting the market. Well, coming that, in good, good idea, but isn't it? It's like the, the, um, the shaver. Yeah. You, you give the shaver away for free, you've got blades forever. Yeah, and I believe that, um, I, I haven't fact-checked this one 100%, but I think when you buy it, you do have to have some sort of subscription as well. So you're getting yeah. a trainer, but then you're also getting a customer yeah. that you can badger and harass and make sure that they sign up for Zwift. So for them, if it, the, even if it's just a neutral um, lead generation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's great for anybody who wants to get a trainer. And is it decent? It's decent. It's absolutely fine. It's not top of the line, but the equivalent of the other brands is basically What's double the, what price. You, when you're paying top of the line, what are you getting? Um... Accuracy, responsiveness, okay. um, and like when you you can start getting the ones that the front wheel goes yeah, up and okay. down so you can be climbing, or you get the smart bike, which is a complete bike, and yeah. then you're not having to deal with the hassle of putting your bike on and on, and then you've got long-term durability as long as it doesn't Have you tried break. the up and down thing? No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, it's all right though, apparently. Yep. But I've certainly tried I'm on the smart bike now. The, we've got the Stages smart bikes, and I'm on them um, every week, and they are good. Are we The ones we use at the gym? Uh, well, these are the probably a big step up from the gym ones. These okay. ones are about five and a half grand each. Yeah, oh, gyms are probably are as well. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty, pretty. They're all power based, and you can be changing gears and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it was, they probably are different, but the gym ones are pretty good. The, the nice thing about the gym ones is they're probably the best ride I've felt. You know, on a, yeah. on a on an indoor bike. Okay, um, nothing else really until Kona, but we have got something you've put in here. What's this oh, yeah, here? so I went to k226.com, just seeing if there's any other races. So as Bevan said, bugger all happening now until Kona. What do we got? Uh, two and a half weeks, I think. Really? It's, oh, it's going to roll around pretty quick. Um, but I looked at k226.com to see what was else was going on. I don't think I've mentioned this one before. It's called the, the Mercantour um, Race, Extreme Triathlon. It's based down in South France. Uh, it, the swim comes out in, um, near... Uh, well, let's have a look here. So it's between Nice and Monaco, beautiful part of the world. Uh, so you swim from Capdale and you finish uh, at the Ease Seaside. Lots of people have been down there will know Ease. It's a, um, it's got this beautiful little village on top of a big hill. Uh, and then you either road bike or gravel bike 
all the way from there to Barcelonette, which is near Ombrum, um, where they have the famous Ombrum Triathlon. And then you run 42Ks over a mountain uh, and finish in the lakeside in Ombrum. Epic. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? 238 k's on a gravel bike. That is going to take some time. Oh, they make you run hard as well, won't it? Yeah. Yeah, that is going to be a tough old race. So if you want to check out another one of these extreme races, go to mercantourman.com. Okay, so we had Super League last weekend. We'll maybe quickly talk about Malibu next weekend we've got Toulouse. Uh, You reckon they're struggling for injuries? Well, when you've got to sign up Cameron Worth to do a Super League, I haven't looked at the results and I probably should have. If he didn't get eliminated straight away, I'm going to be really surprised. So maybe we'll have a look at that in a second. So it was Super League of the weekend. I only watched the highlights, haven't watched the full thing. It was the eliminator format. So that means um, they do three races, have a short gap in between each one. Somebody gets eliminated each round. The third race is kind of a, you, you have a handicap start based on the, the first two events. And there was a couple of crashes. So I'm not going to spoil the results. You may have seen the winners, but it still looks like it's a, it's a good watch. But yeah, they're just not drawing the stacked fields we want to see still good format love it definitely worth a watch but I was definitely watching the PTO race over the Super League at the weekend that's for sure yeah and it's interesting because it's kind of got less good as time has gone on mm. you know the early fields in Super League were pretty strong weren't they absolutely you they remember were. Like, with Richie Murray and that mm. field was stellar mm. you know and so now it's a pretty stacked season nowadays it is it's a crazy old season and it's different this year with the, the world triathlon circuit sort of having a mid-season hiatus and coming back late in the season so a number of athletes will be focusing on that uh, so next weekend they're heading off back to Europe to Toulouse uh, and then they're going to Neom which is this weird place in Saudi uh, on the 29th and also sort of sandwiched in there we're going to have the World Triathlon Series sort of uh, kicking back into action which finishes really late in the season Okay so this week's discussion was one that happened a couple of weeks ago was do you think draft legal, legal Heli 70.3 would be a good watch but then also with what was it Sunshine Coast? Yeah that was a second comment we'll, we'll, we'll do one at a time Okay so let's go to that one So would so, draft legal 70.3 with a good field and a good course make it Sense okay, good old Ian Farrell. Got a big one. He's got nope. Oh, is he? Oh, no, <laughs> nope. Uh, hilly bike courses won't have much impact on the draft legal triathlon, not much as draft. Uh, usual strong bikers will go to the front when they'll get there. Is it nice 70.3 already proof? Plus, uh, doesn't this already happen in to a large degree? We know the refs are poor and moto interference are, uh, level is high. At the moment, it's basically whoever can get to the motor draft uh, to work for them will get the, the advantage. Uh, so yeah, basically he thinks no. Tim Schutzer says no. Matthew Bin says yes. Joseph Mulhall says you've got to start at the bottom, Bevan. Mul- uh, Jason Mulhall says no. Eugene Collins says no. Uh and Troy Campbell says, imagine the crashes. I'm talking pro here, not necessarily age group, so I probably should have specified that. Um, Craig Lane's got, just into an Ironman event. They've been doing it for years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob Baldwin, as long as there are no TT bikes, as that would be too risky. Normal road bikes, then, yeah. Wayne Ross says, doing a version of this at the long course weekend at Karapur in February, just over three days. Um, and Karen Summer, Sumner says, nope, gives too much of an advantage to a strong runner. Uh, rest up by drafting on the bike, then eyeball out on the run with fresher legs. But you could argue good swim bikers get a big advantage if yeah. they teamed up. Anything could happen, that's the thing. Yeah. You could get runners dragged up, you could get the cyclists just, just dominating, get, get too far you ahead. could get the swim bikers getting a big enough lead. 
Uh, Tim Tams has got maybe triathlon teams would make sense and attract more sponsorship if they were more like cycling. Maybe five in a team with a leader to project and try to deliver the run optimal position. Uh, watching domestiques drilling themselves to bring out the breakaway team who may just get three out from the swim for the first gap, which would be much more of a spectacle than just a long line of riders sitting on tri bars. Jeremy Hopwood, absolutely, especially on a hilly course or circuit like some of the spring classics. So the spring classics for people who don't watch cycling, um, uh, sort of early season races, lots of punchy climbs and stuff, and you sort of get these one-day specialists often going and winning them. Um, for pro or the PTO format, I think this would be a better video product. Good old Rob Dallymore, he just says, I reckon it would be awesome. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. So... As I said, I, I probably should have specified I was meaning in a, in a pro race in terms of watching. And it was sort of referenced to watching that Canada race, uh, the PTO Canada race, which wasn't that exciting. Um, I, I think it'd be really cool to go and, if, as long as it was a good, challenging bike course, uh, I think it'd be good. If you did a draft legal race at, say, Dallas that we had at the weekend, I think that would be boring as batshit because it would just be this, this snowball effect yeah. of Sam Long and um, the guys at the back just catching everybody and they'd all just jump on the wheel and they would eventually get to the front, prob- possibly, probably, and, uh, and then it would just be a massive big bunch and then a running race I don't think there would be a lot of excitement in that but if you went and did a really challenging up and down bike course uh, then you know that might give the, the really strong bikers enough encouragement to give it a really good go on the climbs and yeah it might work so I was thinking you know something like the Alpe d'Huez triathlon or something similar to that um, if they allowed drafting in that I think it would be um, it'd be a good watch it's worth a try mm. you know what I mean like mm. give it a stab mm. You know, like get, get a good bunch of pros, mix of abilities, mix of different strengths, yeah. put on a hard course, let's see what happens. Yeah. You know, because we, have we seen it? I have not ever seen a, what's supposedly meant to be a draft legal um, yeah, like 70.3 race. So, yeah, so that's this week's discussion. But while I was away, uh, there was a photo from the Sun Kashuk, Sunshine Coast 70.3, which showed there was a lot of drafting in that race, John. So and I, it wasn't just a couple of people drafting. It yeah. was pack riding. So I put a question there, I posed a question. If you were caught up by a group like this, and this is a, if people who haven't seen the pictures, like this is proper pack riding. There is, and then some people commented, "Oh, the lens sometimes makes it a bit deceiving." No. I don't give a shit what sort of lens you've got. Those people are up each other's ass, and there's maybe one meter gap in some places, maybe two in some places. But you know, these packs are sort of good thirty, maybe forty people in them, and they are on the arrow bars up each other's ass. So if you were caught by a group like this, what do you do? And that was question one. Well, we got we got two hundred and forty eight comments on this. Yeah, and no, question two was what would you do to avoid this happening without including hills? Uh, a lot of the comments, we've got quite a few from people that are actually in this particular race. Okay. And I don't want to just single out this race. We've seen pictures like this Florida. from loads of races, Florida, Barcelona. Um, so it happens you know, nice and regularly. Uh, so James Page is ridiculous. Come on to a proper iron distance race. Br- brutal events, extreme triathlon, loads of hills, and certainly not a sportive, just you versus the road. Good old uh, Stephanie Vendor. Vendor um, Bruggen has got, I love that everyone claimed to be PB after the race. Yeah, well, the, the problem with this race as well, the bike was short, which, uh, yeah, kind of, sometimes that's intentional, yeah. sometimes just a cock up. Uh, but there was quite a few comments of people in the race, and they were generally saying, and a lot of others said, you know, when you get caught in this situation, what do you do? Yeah. What, do, you, what do, you do? And, yeah. and so I was just 
some people said, oh, you just drop off the back. You do that, then you end up riding back into the bloody group on, on yeah. accident. Um, so when you are in that situation, to a degree, there's no way out because yeah. it's that big snowball coming up behind you. However, some athletes do need to take a bit of responsibility there. You know, if someone, if, if someone catches you, if you do drop back to the legal distance, if everybody does that, you don't get the snowball effect happening. There'll still be some packs and stuff going on, but you know, when I look at these pictures, there's plenty of space behind, and there's nobody even really making an honest attempt. Like I get you might be within the seven or ten meters or whatever it's supposed to be, but when you're sitting two or three meters, that's kind of unacceptable to me. So shame on people in that, in that group. You could have been trying harder. But the point, the finger mainly needs to be pointed at the organisers. Yeah. It just seems like there's a got head in the sand. Here's, here's an, okay, here's one idea. Why can't you do two seventy point threes in one day? Um, well, then you've got road closure issues. That's probably your main consideration yep. and volunteer hours. So I look at it from a from an event director's point of view. Yeah, if you want to close a road for half a day, that's a big deal. You want to close a road for a full day, that's a really big deal yep. and then secondly you've got all your volunteers and marshals and so on and you're going to have to swap all those out uh, police and things like that so I think there's there's some you can't the, the, the really obvious solution is not always going to be practical but uh, you know the main considerations are A you want to try to have a fair race and B you've got to try to have a safe race so we talked to Hannah Wells later in the show and you know the, the simple solution is you do wave starts and you spread them out more. So yes, that's making the event a bit longer. But it's not um, two in a day. But it's not, yeah, it's not two in a day. It drags out the day. It does create some other challenges in terms of some of your logis- logistical challenges. If you're doing a multi-lap course, there's, there's things there. There's lots of trade-offs. But you know, you just break things into five or ten year age groups. And my suggestion would be, is you have competitive. You choose if you want to enter as a competitive athlete or just a recreational athlete. So then you can hopefully get all the competitive athletes off the line first, and um, the recreational athletes then won't get swum over, because that's a couple of your main considerations, is A, getting swum over in the swim. If you do lots of wave starts, you just end up, the weaker swimmers at the back of age groups just get battered by the age groups coming through, and then you also have those challenges on the bike. If you're trying to go to an aid station, and there's that massive speed differential between uh, the fast riders and those that were in previous waves, and that you know, is a real safety issue. So if you take the non-competitive athletes and start them at the very rear of the field, then that's going to help eliminate that. It's not going to completely solve it, but yeah, God, I hope they do something about it because it's just such a turn-off. Yeah, and you know, look how many comments we've got on those photos. Mm. You know, like as you say, it's such a turn-off, and it's and ultimately it ruins the athlete experience, doesn't it? Like we talked to Henry Wells, and you're going to hear her talk about it soon, and she was basically said it made the race uncompetitive suddenly. Mm. You know, like we're in a moment where I was catching someone, I was working towards catching someone, the male field comes through, totally ruins the race, doesn't it? Yeah. Especially it, for pros. Yeah. You can say, oh, I'll go to a hilly course, but it's not that. Like if I organise a race in Christchurch, I can't just go, oh, I want a hilly course. There's only like two or three options in terms of venues. And uh, yeah, so you can't just do that. You can go and choose other races. But I would like to go and do events, just go, oh, Sunshine Coast, that'd be a cool event to do. But I've, for me, I'd just go, I'm not doing it. That's just going to be an absolute joke on the bike. Uh, so hopefully they just do something about this, not just at this race, but at lots of other events um, because it's just an ongoing problem and we don't see any solutions coming through. Now, what we're going to do is we'll do John's quiz question and then what we're going to do, oh, hot topic of the week first. So for this week coming up, the question is, if you watch the PTO US Open, do you think the lapped athletes on the run should be eliminated, still be receiving their prize purse, 
once they've been t- overtaken. Should I get my opinion on this now? <laughs> no, because <laughs> no, it's so, next week's discussion. Yeah, so I think you'd, it's pretty obvious what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so if you watch the coverage, you will have seen athletes getting lapped on the course. Should they just get taken off the course? They do on the bike. Uh, it was a bit confusing at times. Yeah. Just as you what because I, I really I didn't have the sound on. Mm. But as I was watching, I was like, is that person in, you know, like. Mm. Uh, okay, so that's this one. Okay, quiz question. How many Ironmans has Ben Hoffman won? One. One. Not one. Vic- been victorious. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason this came up, he was racing at Ironman Wisconsin um, the weekend before last. Uh, DNF D- 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 uh, did about a quarter of the run. But Ben Hoffman is a good athlete. And uh, there was a moment where he was a rock star. Yeah. And so I was wondering, how many Ironmans has he won? Okay. Now we're going to put an interview up. We're going to interview with Hannah Wells, brought to you by Form Goggles. She's a bit of a local legend. And uh, here she is right now. Good. Righto, team. Uh, for some of our New Zealand and Australian listeners, they'll know of today's guest, Hannah Wells. Uh, she's been crushing it for the last few years on the 70.3 and more recently the Ironman circuit. And this, this year she's sort of gone further afield into the States and do some racing over there. So we wanted to catch up with her and talk about um, yeah, racing overseas versus racing domestically and a um, bunch of other things. So welcome along to the show, Hannah. Thank you very much for having me. Right, so uh, 2019, you bloody crushed things. I'm looking on the old uh, Pro Triathletes website and you got one, two, three, four, five, two, yeah, five straight wins. The next year you had, that was obviously when COVID sort of started to kick in, you had four wins in a second and then and then um, we sort of moved on from there in 2021 and 2022. So, so far it looks like a pretty successful um, sort of kickoff to your pro career. But tell us a bit about yourself, um, where you're from, your background, and, and people are always interested, I imagine, in what you've got your doctorate in. Yeah, so a um, bit of background. I started triathlon back, uh, it would have been about 2013, I think. I uh, started in... As an age grouper, like uh, many people do, who pick it up later in later in life, um, and I was doing more exterior and sort of the off road adventure stuff at that stage, and sort of moved into the on road half distance racing a little bit later on. I think I did my first um, half Ironman in twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen, um, and then turned professional in half Ironman racing in twenty seventeen while still working um and um yeah and then worked while racing professionally for a couple of years and then end of 2019 decided to go full-time as an athlete uh COVID hit not long after that so it was a little bit bad timing but (laughs) um that's that's life um and then yeah since then just sort of obviously started racing domestically uh at the beginning of my professional career partly because um for me at that point um that was all new and exciting um and you know was sort of big races for me um it was a big deal to to sort of go to Australia and race and still is um but sort of going further afield was sort of out of reach at that point because I was working at the same time um and obviously now that COVID is sort of uh hopefully mostly left our lives um (laughs) to a point um I can sort of travel further afield now um, and get experience further overseas. So that's what I've been trying to do uh, this year and um, a little bit last year, although there were obviously some hurdles last year as well. Um, So, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at at the moment. Um, This year kind of been building back into fitness. I sort of started the year not very fit 
to be honest. Um, mm. And that's just, you know, that's life. There's a few things, uh, injury, COVID, mm. <laughs> uh, got married. Um, yeah. So just a few sort of life things that got in the way of uh, being really fit, but that's, that's how it is. And yeah, I've been enjoying this year um, being able to go overseas and race and get that experience. Even if I haven't been at peak fitness, it's been uh, an awesome experience. And just to see the level over there has been really valuable for me. So yeah. just to send you back to that moment where you're kind of a, a really good pro or kind of pro athlete also within your career in that moment, was it a hard decision to go all in or was it kind of just your success was showing that you kind of didn't go down that pathway? You know, what was the conflict there and was it an easy decision to make? Uh, it definitely wasn't an easy decision. Um, I I loved my job. Like I really enjoyed working in research. I had a boss who was awesome. He was super supportive of what I was doing in triathlon as well. Um, and yeah, I it wasn't an easy decision, but it was pretty difficult to do both. Just life was busy. I didn't have a lot of time for, uh, you know, the things outside of just work and triathlon. Um, and it wasn't really sustainable for too long. And it wasn't it wasn't going to be easy to continue on doing that if I was going to try and go and travel further um, throughout our winter. Uh, it was just going to be too difficult to work at the same time as doing that. So it took a... I didn't get that. Could you try again? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> just popped up. <laughs> Damn, sorry. Sorry about that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it took a little bit of convincing, but uh, with support from my now husband and uh, my coach, they were sort of encouraging me to go full time. So, um, yeah, made the decision. I don't regret it, even though it was sort of bad timing around COVID. I think it's exciting to put everything into it. And while I'm young and, and doing the sport, I may as well put everything into it. And I can always go back to working later on um, once I'm sort of done with being an athlete, I guess. What was what was your doctrine and what's your area of work? I did um, an engineering degree. I majored in biotech engineering. Uh, oh. And then I went on and did a PhD looking, I was looking at collagen-based uh, materials for a range of applications. It actually started uh, with a project in the leather industry. We were trying to minimize uh, the occurrence of a defect in leather processing and production. Um, and then my real interest through my degree was more on the medical side of things. And so I said to my uh, supervisor and later on my boss, um, if we can tie in some some projects around looking at um, medical-based work, then that would be great. And it sort of, it did cross over. We ended up working with collagen-based surgical materials um, that in a company based out of the States largely. Uh, and so we are looking at um, surgical products that are used for things like hernia repair, breast reconstructions, um, and like heart valve replacement kind of work. Uh, so sort of, yeah, it, there were a few projects involved in my PhD, but it was larger, largely around collagen mm. um, tissues and materials and um processing those and producing products and so on yeah Excellent. so and how long a runway have you kind of given yourself in terms of you go right I'm going to give this pro you know pro racing full-time a crack you know have you given yourself a you know a, a definite runway in terms of trying to reach your sort of maximum potential or are you just sort of taking it year by year 
Uh, at this stage, I'm sort of taking it year by year. I still feel like I have a lot more to give um, than what I have uh, shown so far. So at this stage, I definitely still think I have a few years in me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we'll just take it, yeah, year by year and see what happens. Um, I'm enjoying it still so much that uh, I don't feel like giving it up anytime soon. But, you know, it might the day might come where maybe I'm not enjoying it so much or I want to change and um, I'll just, you know, sort of read it as it comes, I think. Do you think that you've got a good career behind you and, you, you know, the good knowledge base behind you gives you a bit more freedom and security because, you know, you can always know that the door's open to go back and, you know, for some athletes, this is the only thing they've ever known and so it's a much more insecure future as they look yeah. to the future. Is that, do you think there's something good that helps you? Yeah. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm so thankful that I did uh, go and study and work a little bit before I became an athlete. And triathlon is great like that because we don't uh, peak, I guess, until uh, our mid-30s, apparently. Um, yeah, it's it kind of, it does give you the opportunity to go and study in your earlier years. And maybe you are training in triathlon too, but maybe that sort of takes the back foot for a little bit. Um, I think it's just so nice knowing that I do have something behind me that I can return to and something else that I know I do enjoy. Um, And, uh, you know, it it would be tough for athletes who have done this their whole entire life to then get to the end of their athletic career and think, uh, what next? Mm. Um, I I sympathize with them because that's really hard and it's really hard to I mean, it will be hard for me to leave anyway, but at least I know that I have have those qualifications behind me now. Um, yeah, so I'm very, very thankful for um, that and for sort of getting that ticked off um, and doing, you know, the university thing earlier uh, yeah. in my life. So, yeah. So first few years, you kind of focused on 70.3s and half Ironmans. In 2021, you stepped up to Ironman New Zealand and took that out in 901.49. Um, always good to win. That Ironman New Zealand was delayed by a few weeks and it was a domestic sort of field rather than an international field. How have you found that transition from half Ironman to Ironman? And have you sort of got a preference which one you, you like more at the stage? Uh, it it was a pretty hard transition actually. Like, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a step up. Uh, I wasn't a huge volume athlete before that, and so um, you know these big the big rides that you have to do and the just the extra volume and the lead up to an Ironman, it was a little bit of a shock to the system, I guess. Um, and it's definitely something to be wary of for those athletes who haven't done a full distance yet you know it's not as easy as just uh add in a couple of long rides and you'll be right <laughs> um, yeah so it was it was pretty hard but um I I think I went okay um there was some definitely some learnings <laughs> uh in my first Ironman as I expected there would be um I don't know if, which one I prefer at this stage I've only done two so um I mean at least with halves you can do more in the year. I think I like that. Um, yeah. You can start racing in and you can, you recover so quickly. Um, you know, you were recovered within a week. Whereas for me, the first the first two full distance races I did, I think, I don't know, I think I was uh, pretty buggered for 
over a month <laughs> um, <laughs> after those just yeah they they really do take it out of you a lot more than the halves um but obviously there's that huge um sense of achievement and it's sort of like it, the full distance is still sort of seen as that like pinnacle event sort of and pinnacle distance of of the long distance triathlon I guess so um yeah I don't know I think I probably do need to do a few more fulls until I decide which is um my preferred so, so you packed your bags last November and headed over to to Florida for Ironman Florida and then you've gone uh, a bit more all in this year in terms of um basing yourself out of um states I'm not sure quite where you were I think you might have been in Boulder but you did the Oregon 70.3 the Canadian Open Boulder 70.3 and then came back and went over to the Sunshine Coast so what what made you choose going to the states as opposed to heading over to Europe um I think it's just a little bit closer uh, it just felt a little bit easier to get to. There's quite a lot of racing on there. And also I did want to try and get to the PTO race, which was in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously being in America, that's a lot closer. Uh, we went over to America last year and we did enjoy it. It was, it wasn't a, it was a bit of a last minute trip. Uh, we were in Australia when the borders closed. Uh, <laughs> we'd only just arrived. So we decided to stay over there thinking that, uh, we'd be able to get home at some point, but <laughs> little did we know. Um, and so we ended up, <laughs> we ended up uh, going over to Florida sort of on the fly last year. And we did enjoy our time over there. And we saw that the racing was just, the Americans, they they are really enthusiastic about Ironman racing over there. And um, the fields are bigger, um, both the pro and the age group fields are bigger. Um, and I guess because we got a taste of it last year, we thought uh, let's head back over there and do a bit more because um, it it was great and we, I could see that I was going to get good experience and, and good fields to race against in America. So that was sort of our thinking around that. What was the, um, what was going to like the, obviously we had the other uh, PTO race at the weekend, which was awesome racing in uh, yeah. Dallas. And then the, the Canadian Open, you know, from a TV spectacle, it didn't look like there was loads of people there. What was that sort of experience doing that PTO race compared to say some of the, the 70.3s or even Ironmans you did in the States, um, just in terms of the vibe and the feel and, and so on? How, how was it different? Um, it, I mean, obviously the fields are, extremely stacked um and it kind of it kind of felt like a, you were lining up on a I mean I haven't actually even been to a world champs yet but it felt like what I would expect a world champs race to feel like it's just everyone is there um the PTO they do a really good job of it, it feels very uh professional the whole lead up into the race um they have you know structured media sessions uh they treat you like you know you are a real like big deal in triathlon in the lead up and um yeah and there wasn't that many people racing on the side uh I mean sorry that many people watching um on the side of the course that day which was a little bit of a shame but uh in terms of the the media you had around you when you were racing there were a lot of cameras um you know you could hear drones and and so on and it, and it did feel like even though there weren't that many people there on the day it did feel like there was sort of this big sort of built up um atmosphere around the event mm. um and so that yeah and more than your your standard um 70.3 for sure so yeah Kona this year are you, are you going to Kona no I haven't done an Ironman in the qualification period um uh, I qualified for St George 
but um, wasn't fit, <laughs> so I didn't go. <laughs> but the ambition is to get there next year? Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, and what are the expectations? And one thing we're thinking, you know, now that kind of been the two-day race, it's going to be limited expensive to get and stay yeah. there just because of, you know, so many more athletes, so many more family members and all those types yeah. of things. Yeah. Does it does it dampen it a little bit for you, or is it still just Kona's the mecca? Um, it does dampen it a little bit for me. Um, I mean, I don't know if I see Kona as the mecca. I'm sort of more leaning towards. Uh, I mean, in terms of Ironman distance, it is. Um, but the PTO races, um, kind of are more desirable in a way for me. Mm. Um. Just in terms, there's more racing. Um, this the the atmosphere and how it's built up prior to the race. Obviously, the prize money is a lot more. They're cheaper to get to. Uh, I do want to go to Kona because I I want to experience that. But I don't know that I'm going to be, you know, putting all my eggs into that basket necessarily uh, next year. That's for sure. Mm. Um, yeah. So it, it is a still. I've, I haven't raced there obviously, um, and I would like to race the best in the world at the full distance as well as the middle distance um and so that's sort of why I want to go to Kona it uh, yeah it, it's obviously going to be tricky to get to and I can imagine it's going to be hectic it'll be interesting to see how it goes this year and I'm kind of glad I'm not going this year because I yeah. want to see how it unfolds and hear from others you know what it's I can't imagine that little town holding that many people I mean it's hectic when it's a one-day race so yeah. it'll be interesting to hear what people say about it um from this year and then um i would like to go but i guess i'll be taking on board what people say um from this year's race so so, so back before this kind of we've had this change in racing with the, the advent of the pto and you know you know it's really interesting you're talking about actually that's probably more of your interest moving forward what's the ultimate ambition then uh that's a good question. Um, I mean, I just want to get to the races where and be competitive where um, all the top athletes are. And so, and I think a lot of, a lot of athletes want to do that. Um, so these PTO races, they are, they are bringing all the, the best athletes together and you want to be part of that. Um, and you want to be fit when you, when you go there and race and mm. um, that's exciting. And I think that's what, um you know, to be racing the best in the world is, um, you know, the ultimate goal probably. So um, I guess that's sort of where I'll be trying to head is, you know, the PTO races could change things uh, over the next, I think they already probably are a little bit. Mm, um, yeah. yeah, so it's it's exciting um, mm. and it'll be interesting to see how the next couple of years unfold. Uh, Kona's going to be interesting. Look, for, for, for overseas listeners, for Kiwis, going over the Kiwi pros, if you went to Kona, I think it paid, it's paying 15 deep now, you finish 15th and I reckon you'll be breaking even at best. Obviously yeah, taking away, taking away, you know, if you get endorsements and things like that from sponsors, yeah. that's a bit different. But in terms of prize money, that's, that's going to be the best you yeah. can do. Getting 15th yeah. in Kona is not uh, not a done deal for anybody lining up. So um, cool. One other thing I wanted to talk to you about was was form goggles. Um, you know, everybody's got their different sponsors and, and so on, but generally, you know, sponsors don't come knocking on your door going, hey, um, here, here's some product. We'd love you, love for you to, to use it. How do things sort of um, pan out for you with form? Because I assume you probably tried them before sort of approaching them. Um, so how, how did you sort of come across them and um, why did you want to go to them? Uh, I think the very first time I tried them, 
um, I was training with Jocelyn McCauley um, over in Texas, and I think she had a pair, and I mm-hmm. tried a pair then. Uh, and also my coach, Bevan, he um, had some as well. And so I've, I tried them before um, getting in touch, just from other people having them really, I guess. Mm. And, um, yeah, that they were, they were like nothing I had ever tried before in this, in the swim. It was, um, you know, extremely new technology and exciting. And so, um, I think I reached out to them, uh, and just asked if they would be interested in, you know, forming a a sponsorship relationship. And they said yes, which was great. Um, and yeah, so I've been working with them, I think for a couple of years now Mm. at least. Um, which is yeah which is cool and I I use them all the time I think uh, if you're someone who does a lot of swimming on their own which I have I do a bit with the squad as well but I also do a fair bit on my own especially when I'm traveling um, they they make just such a huge difference having that data at hand um, and being able to change up your session and making sure you're not just swimming at the one speed and just keeping the session interesting, mm, <laughs> especially yeah. when you're on your own. It's something yeah. to look at, something to make time pass by a bit faster because swimming on your own can be a little bit tedious. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, I, yeah, I swim with them all the time still, um, and I have for quite a while now. Cool. Any tips you, you've got for, for users who, who perhaps haven't used them before or, yeah, we'll start with people who haven't used them before, you know, someone's getting a pack. What are, what are some of the tips you give to people if they're going to try them for the first time? Um, I'd say just get the goggles set up uh, with the data screens that you want to be able to see um, first. Uh, so there's a range of things you can see. You can see your pace um, or your cadence or time um, or distance uh, in the goggles. And I think if you get a good little setup going um, on the goggles and and make sure you've got all the data that you want to see, then it's um, that's a good start. Uh, I like I like to see cadence. Um, I think I get my lap time on every tumble turn and then um, and also distance. So um, yeah. I don't know. Just get just get your your goggles set up well, and then basically, I don't know. They're pretty much ready to go. So yeah, um, yeah and I think the the new feature with the form goggles of the workouts that you can load on as well. Um, that's pretty handy for those who don't get a program given to them for every session, which I would imagine is quite a few people. Um, yeah. So you know, you can have a workout there on your goggles and you don't even have to think about what you're going to do. Um, and it just, yeah, like I said, it makes time go by nice. so much faster when you're out there swimming on your own. Excellent. So what's the plan for, um, for summer? Presuming you'll be doing uh, Torpol 70.3 yep. probably. And then are you going to do both Ironmans? So I mean, New Zealand's in December and in March. Are you doing both of those or uh, what's, what's sort of your plan for the next sort of 12 months or so, if you've gone that far down the track? Um, so the, the event in December is a 70.3 for only. Uh, yep. Um, and so uh, I'll be doing, yeah, the 70.3 in December. We can't do the full distance. Yeah. And then I'll do the Tauranga Half or the Mount um, Festival here in January. February, uh, I'm not 100% confirmed uh, which race I'll do, but I might go over to Tasmania and do um, the new 70.3 there. It's a cool race. 
Yeah, it's something a bit different, but there's also Challenge Wanaka on, so I'm not sure on those two yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ironman New Zealand in March is kind of probably my main focus at the moment. Excellent. Um, one other question I have for you. I know you raced over in 70.3 Sunshine Coast at the uh, two weekends ago, um, yeah. and I saw some pictures and we posted them on our Facebook page of A-Trip Drafting. I'm not sure if it affected your race much or not. Did, did it have much of an impact on, on your race? And I know it's really commonplace in a lot of races, so I'm picking on Sunshine Coast, but the pictures I saw were pretty horrendous. Yeah. I think it was probably the worst I had seen. Like I have seen at that, at that race and probably at any race, um, unfortunately. It did affect our race. So the first lap, it's a two-lap bike, the first lap we weren't affected. We were out on the course, you know, on our own basically with obviously the pro men were out way ahead of us. Um, the second lap, however, uh, we started to get the front of the age group men coming through and it, it does affect our race. Um, I let the first, you know, the first few age group men went by me um, and then eventually more were coming uh, and eventually we slot in with them um, mm. at a legal distance. But, I, you know, you can see, I could see the rest of the female um, pro field basically just doing the same thing. Um, and it does affect our race in a big way. I, I wish it didn't. I wish they mm. weren't there. Um, I was making up time on Lottie, who was ahead of me in the first lap, and then the second lap um, we were all slotted in with age group men coming through. And it was basically our race was determined by them um yeah. which is frustrating um and i think it, the the problem was is that there was only a three minute gap between us and the first wave of the age group men whereas you know the races i've been doing over in the states it's 10 mm-hmm. um and so we don't we generally we might see one or two really fast age group men come through but they're going so much faster than us that it doesn't matter it's sort of like hi <laughs> bye <laughs> um yeah. you're going well yeah. and then you carry on um yeah, so it was a shame, and we could see. I could see the packs coming in the other direction when I was, you know, heading back on my um, second lap. Um, and yeah, I don't know. You know, in a way, they should spread out the waves more. But there were times where I saw get uh, bunches. I remember one specific time, uh, one particular time, um, there was clear road on the highway. Then there was this huge group of age groupers coming through and they were like five five abreast sort of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there was mostly clear road behind them again, you know, sort of just dribbles of people. And I'm like, well, there's no reason that they should be riding in a bunch. They can spread out across that road. So I think, um, you know, it's uh, partly the fact that maybe the waves were set off too close, but I also think that um, – in some cases, athletes could have avoided drafting when they didn't. So mm. um, a bit of both, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and it is a shame. It's not what we want to see. And I, I race, think, isn't it? Yeah. And like, if you get a really fast time on a race like that, does it mean anything? I, yeah. I don't think it does. Yeah, totally. um, So I don't know. I think it takes away um, just sort of that pride you get, you know, that, that feeling you get when you do have a good race, if, if it's been a little bit tainted, it's sort of, it's not the same. Um, so, yeah, it's a shame. Hopefully that will change um, with time. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe 
yeah, they, if they can spread out the waves a little more, that'll be a good start. But yeah. Totally agree. So um, if people want to follow you, what's the best means? Are you a, a prolific Instagrammer or Twitter or uh, a TikToker? Or what, what's, if people want to follow what you're up to, what do you, <laughs> not, what do, you do? Not TikTok, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> not my thing. Uh, probably Instagram is the probably where I'm mostly on. So, um, yeah, Dr. Hannah Wells on um, Instagram. Awesome. Brilliant. Oh, thanks so much for your time. I look forward to seeing Kiwis kicking ass on the uh, international stage again. Um, so good luck with the rest of our domestic season and uh, kicking ass next year. So thanks for your time. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for having yours, mate. Thank you. John, your thoughts? I think she's got still a lot to, to come in terms on the international stage. You know, her performances in New Zealand have been, uh, and Australia, have been awesome. So I'm looking forward to, yeah, she just like knocked it out of the park. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to her cranking it on the world uh, scene. I, one thing I found interesting is that Kona's not the Mecca anymore. Yeah. it's just Because really, you go back before PTO, what would she do there? Mm, yeah, totally. You know? Yeah. I think, I think it's really Got to keep that in as a question we ask all, all of them. I yeah. think for, for the hardcore Ironman athletes, it's still going to be there. You know, you stay to Joe Skipper or someone else, um, you know, the hardcore who just do long course, it, it will be. But as I said to her, just at the end, you know, far up, man. You've got to finish in the, in the money and you just to break even. Well, it was interesting. One thing Kona does, and I remember Melina said this, is he said, I think he talked about Greg Bennett, or one, someone who was a really good athlete, and he said, people never understand the long-term value of being a Kona winner. A winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you got to win it. Yeah. 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 But there's, there's, a, there's a massive asset that comes with that. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's, if you can win it, you know, but I wonder if the long-term even next going to be kind of, you know, less valuable. Mm. Um, but but if, you f- if you're finishing ninth or tenth, awesome performance. Yeah. You're going to get some prize money. You're going to get some bonuses from your sponsors. But, uh, and it's going to be cool long-term on your, your career. But yeah, financially, but just again, like take, go three years ago before PTO was there. Mm. What would the answer been? Kona. Yeah, yeah. You know that was, that was the ambition. Whereas now it's like actually, which is sign of the times, really. Okay, so Throwback Tuesday. Oh God, I wasn't even prepared for this now. Yeah. <laughs> so you had an interview. We had the interview with David Robinson a few weeks ago. Remember, that was the author of the book Expectation, uh, the Expectation Effect. And you've now completed the book. I have nearly completed the book. And I've you're hopeless for food. Yep, I am, so, a, I am so a big, big, big fatty. So here's John's lessons he's been applying. So yeah, I think you know, there's lots of things we can take out of lots of interviews we've done over the years and you see all this nutritional experts and stuff and it's like what to eat and, and so on. But um, I just liked some of, the, some of the stuff in this book in terms of just changing your behaviours a little bit towards food because that's the stuff that... Um, Especially yeah. if you struggle with it. Mm. And I suppose a lot of people do. Mm. Um, so yeah, we often hear about the what to eat and when to eat but this time we learn a little bit more about the how and the why of eating so a couple of things that I think people can take out of this book that David summarises at the end of his sort of nutrition section of that book uh, is to celebrate and enjoy your eating so rather than just shoveling the food into your mouth just thinking this is nutrition actually enjoy the flavours enjoy eating and that's what the Europeans do so well so I have one argument to this Mm -hmm. why is me eating food fast mean I'm not enjoying it uh, well, I think one of the main things is if you eat a little bit slower and you chew your food, you're going to feel more full, and then you won't get go start going back for oh, seconds. So, okay, so the problem is so if you keep going back. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm, I'm I don't tend to go back. Oh, I'm going. Well, I'm said they're not obviously. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay, laughs> yeah. Look what happened there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but 
um, I'm a fast eater. Mm. You know what I mean? And I always have been I'm kind of that person generally. Um, and I, but I don't feel I'm not enjoying my food. Uh, but I am a person who often goes back for seconds and okay. thirds. Okay. <laughs> and yeah, what I find is if I do just slow things down, treat it slightly more socially, uh, I'm definitely more full and less inclined to go okay. back for seconds. Um, one of the other points he's got in there is think about your meal as you prepare it uh, and sort of build up to it. So again, you're sort of celebrating dun, dun, eating dun, rather than dun, just dun, looking at dun, it as nutrition. Dun, dun. Eat slowly. Yep. Um, enjoy the flavours. This is quite. I, I try to get my kids to this. So they're not that receptive at this age. <laughs> but you know, we we prepare most nights pretty nice, nutritious foods, yeah. and just enjoying the flavours. Again, it's just going to mean you're just feeling that little bit more fuller, a little more satisfied, and less likely to to go back for for more. Um, avoid distractions like watching TV. Wow. He's got a good section in there. Wow. Um, we always eat in front of TV. Yeah, no, we we do it weekends. That's probably about it. So you guys eat at table. Mm, yeah, um, and remember what you ate. So when you're sitting there and you're potentially thinking about, um, well, anything, whether you're thinking you might end up binging later on or you're, again, thinking about going back for seconds, just think about your ate, what you've eaten, um, sort of celebrate it again. And again, it's all about just sort of filling yourself up so you're not going to go back and, uh, and just enjoy your eating. Yeah. So but I encourage people to read that book. Go back a couple of weeks, listen to the interview with David. Go off and um, yeah, even just that nutrition chapter is fantastic. But I think um, you know, a lot of the other stuff, there's a lot of takeaways from, from athletes in terms of getting your expectations put in the right place. Uh, so I think it will help your racing and training immeasurably. Okay, then let's go on to Wanger of the Week. And you've already pulled it up. It yeah. is Random.org gave me this one here. Julian Swartz. Number, he was number 96 on the rankings. So if you want to get amongst this, go on to Strava.com and join up to the IM Talk group. Uh, and then your training, your swim, biking, your running will get populated onto that each week. If you're in the top 100, you get a chance of randomly being uh, selected to tell us about you when we really don't know you. So yeah. number 96 was... Julian Julian Schwartz. Schwartz. He did 12 hours and 3 minutes of training. Nice, solid. 1 hour and 59 minutes on the bike, 6 hours 44 minutes on the run, and th- on the bike, and 3 hours and 19 minutes on the run. So did some yoga this morning? Did some yoga this morning. Nice work. Texas? Uh, he's, I wonder if we want to watch the race. Yeah, good point. Uh, he's in Britain's, uh, Britain's Triforce as his primary club. Uh, and put in a really good block of training. Had a little break there mid-July, mid-season break. Um, put in a good sort of 10 weeks since then. Going nicely. Good photo of him and his son. Nice. Texas, have you been to Texas? No, I've not been to Texas. I've been to Texas. Nah, he also, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. Y'all. It's one of my favourite things about Texas. Hey, y'all. <laughs> hey, y'all. Just a bit of swifting. I'm just trying to see if he did the race of the weekend. It does not look like it. All Americans food big is big. But when you go to Texas and you get a steak... You basically get a cow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Flintstones. Remember the old Flintstones? Yeah. They brought the ribs, they drop it on the table. That was pretty much Texas. So Julian Schwartz, you are our winger, winger of the week. week. John Swimset. I didn't go swimming this morning. I'm going to do a slightly longer bike ride afterwards, so I didn't actually go swimming. Mm. What, did, uh, what did we do last Friday? Let's see if I can recall what we did on Friday. I think we... I can't actually. <laughs> it was too long ago. I remember the main set. It was a nice cruisy one. It was 400 metres steady. Then I think it was 100 drills and then 250s fast and we did that three times through. And then the, the last part of the set we did 8 100 steady. It's just a nice cruisy session. That was about it, Bevan. I think I've got a name for the quiz, quiz question. I've got to do the quiz question. 
Oh, yeah, okay, Ben Hoffman. So the question is, how many Ironman races has Ben Hoffman won in his career? So as you're thinking about that right now, John's pulling up the answer. And he started his career probably about 12 years ago now, so he's been around for a while. So, ben Hoffman? Yeah. How'd you, how'd you pluck that 12-year career out of there? I just, did I get it right? He's, I don't know. He's 39 years old. He's 178 tall. He's apparently 73 kgs. Current world ranking of 16. He's 39. Yeah, he's been around for 12 years then. So, so far this season, he had a DNF at Wisconsin. Um, Third at Boulder, 70.3. Tenth of the world champs, and he won Ironman Texas. First race that he's got listed on PTO is the 70.3 World Championships in 2007. So 15 years, years and he finished in 26th place. Also did the long-distance Worlds that year. Finished in 38th place at the ITU long-distance Worlds. So you wouldn't say he necessarily had a stellar start to his uh, There was a moment where he was a real contender at Kona, wasn't there? Absolutely. Not, yeah. f- not the first time through, though. He got 55th. Jeepers, creepers. 55th. So his progression in Kona, 55th, 42nd, DNF, missed a year, 15th, what's 16th. What's his best in Kona? He's, uh, we're getting there. 27th. <laughs> Are you counting how many wins he's had? Fourth, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fourth at Kona, ninth at Kona. Keep note of his wins. Keep Fourth at Kona. I put the head on. It's way too hot in here, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> bloody medals in Kona. He's been on. He's been on the podium in Kona. I must have missed a couple. Anyway, how many wins has he had? He's been around for a long time. Right, Bevan, you count them on okay. your hand. Lake Placid. What is it? We haven't answered. Ah, oh. I'm going to say. I, I reckon he's probably had ten. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go eight. Okay. Right. right. Lake Placid, 2010. One. St George. Two. And Wisconsin in 2012. Coeur d'Alene, 2013. Uh, didn't get anything in 2015. Uh, South Africa in 2016. Five. South Africa 2017. Six. South Africa 2019. Six. Jesus, you like South Africa. South Africa. I think this is going to be, I think you're going to be close. And Texas this year. Oh, you got eight. There you go. One off. Nailed it. No, you, got, you said eight. Oh, I got it. <laughs> I was just trying to see where his Kona. I mean, he's been on the podium in Kona. He's got fourth a couple of times. Oh, I'm sure he's been on the podium in Kona. Well, podium yeah, t- yeah, so there we go. 2014, he got second. Yeah, that's right. I reckon he got a third as well, but maybe it was a fourth. Yeah, he was pretty good that year. Okay, there's this is what's quiz question. So let's say thank you to our patrons. Now, I think I've got a good nickname for the patron. Oh, you have? Okay. Yep. Uh, we've got Anna... Demolopolis, the Theropod. We've got Paul, uh, sorry, Alex, Master Blaster, Paul. And Chris, Jetstream, Doherty. Now we've got a new patron, Colin Pentagrass. Yes, and so I, uh, I haven't heard back from Colin, but I look, Connor, Connor Pentagrass. Oh, sorry, Connor, sorry, Connor. Uh, he looked like he's a Brit who's maybe moved to New Zealand. I saw he did the Pukekohe duathlon um, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I thought John Gallagher was, at first. Did you? Something around him, but he didn't really have a great nickname, did he? What was his name? Big uh, Red or something like that, probably. Yeah, it probably was. But, but I, I, I looked him up on the darts. The darts generated a nickname. We've got the camel, but you think you've got something better. Well, the blade. The blade? Because I thought of grass, thought of mowing the lawn. The blade, you slice your head off. Where does the blade come from? Well, because it pinned grass. So oh, the, right. I thought of grass. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, thought, I think there's better than the camel. Uh, <laughs> the camel, you're carrying people on your back. <laughs> you're just like, yeah. You just keep going. Would you rather be a blade or a camel? Well, Connor, you let us know. I think he's going to go off the blade on this one. I think I've got you on this one. <laughs> the blade? Uh, Colin the uh, blade, Pentagrass. There we go. Come on. Okay. 
the blade or the camel. The choice is yours, Connor. I think I think it's already locked in, Jumbo. So if you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.imtalk.me. Go to this section where it says patron. Be like Connor. Support the boys in what we do. Get cool gifts. Go in the jaws. When are we doing the wheels? We are doing the wheels. But I think we'll do them probably like Kona time. That's a good idea. So there you go. It'll be kind of yeah. super special. Um, we will have a draw for winning a set of awesome profile design uh, disc wheels, carbon wheels. So you need to be a patron to get in on that draw. So uh, sign up, support the boys. Now's the time. Thank you for being a patron. Now, we also want to say thank you to Form Goggles, empowering swimmers at every level to reach their goals, whether they want to get stronger, fitter, faster, or be more efficient. Get lap-by-lap motivation with real-time metrics and workouts and instructions right to your goggles. Check out formswim.com. Use the discount code IAMTALK for 15% off, $15 off. Uh, if I you love, my, love my Form Goggles. I'm looking forward to getting Well, it was interesting talking about Hannah, but she approached them. Yeah. So, yeah, like, well, yeah. that's a free. <laughs> if you swim by yourself... Immeasurable. If you're somebody who swims on the front of the lane, it's also. I mean, they're good for good for everybody, but the pressure of swimming on the front of a lane in a group, yeah. and counting laps, you just look like a dick when you don't count them correctly. Yeah, uh, and keeping a pace. Yeah, and so it's a great way to just to help count your laps. When I was if, when I was always on the front of the lane, <laughs> all the time you were. Yeah. I got sick of it, but it was that kind of feeling. I, I always overpaced myself. Yeah, because I was felt the pressure of the people behind me. Mm-hmm. So okay, um, if you want to get your email to you, go to www.imtalk.me down on the bottom front page. Coaching coachjohnnewson.com also is Epic Camps epiccamp.com. You said there are some spots for New Zealand popped up. There is, yeah. It's uh, it's only a few weeks away, but if you're getting ready for the domestic New Zealand season uh, and want to go on an awesome adventure. Um, we've still got some spaces so come on down it's going to be top of the South Island it's going to be awesome Uh, my podcast is bevanjamesowls.com and my new book passionateaboutexercise.com share that word Uh, also Age Group of the Week cool websites and other feedback email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com what's your gosh Jombo you went scared Went skiing, but, bit, but, but yeah, a few few unruly um, students at the ski field at ski field at Roundhill. Not not necessarily a good look, but uh, yeah, hit the hit the slopes for a couple of days. Tell you what, when whiteouts happen, <laughs> I've never the been shit hits a fan really quickly. Really, um, so we had we and for Kiwis we had half a day at Mount Dobson, which is a great little field. Um, we had, is it Tikapo's one? Is it? No, that's before Tikapo. It's near Fairley. Okay. Um, we had a day at Roundhill, which is a really easy field, generally family friendly. On this occasion, it was 80s day, and there was a lot of unruly students there. I've never seen people drunk on a ski field before. No, but this was can't uh, be good. No, it was not. It was not good. It was a bad look, and it's bad now that I'm talking about it because it's not good advertising for yeah, them. No. So we've let them know on email, give oh, them a bit of feedback, yep. uh, and then we had another half day at this place called Dobson. And the weather was kind of coming and going. It was sort of sun, sun, sun was out, and then we got some clouds coming in. And we thought the day was done, sort of went white out, and then it cleared again. So we got a few more runs in. And I thought I'd go for just this last one last run. Oh, really? In the bottom of this last run, it went full white out, and I could not see a single thing. What do you do? Do you stop? Uh, well, I was I was even on a cat track, and I couldn't see the cat track. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going what, the right what's direction. What's a cat track? Oh, just sort of a track you ski along you know, that's formed by. Um, by one of the ploughs, so you okay, can okay. So it's pretty easy, pretty pretty easy going. But even I couldn't see a meter in front of me. Uh, so that's it's not. I'm not freaking out, but you have just got to take your time and, and make your way down. But geez, when it closes in, it's pretty quick. Other have you that, ever been ever large? No, mm. no, <laughs> not something I want to experience. <laughs> well, be a good story. So when going in an ambulance like you, not yep. something that's high yep. on my. Yep. Well, I don't remember it, unfortunately. Yeah, no, and being in an avalanche is another one that I don't want to uh, necessarily do anytime soon. Outside of that, going for a big tramp with my son this weekend, which is going to be interesting. Looking across the hills from your place, so still, a bit of, still, still a bit of snow up there. How long does that take? Uh, it'll be about sort of five or six hours each day. Okay. 
go in Saturday afternoon, come out Sunday morning. Now, how old is your boy now? He is 15. Girls? No. Oh, well, <laughs> so that's a, that's a quick conversation killer. No, not even, and we're not even clueless on it. There's like, no, that's not happening. Oh, well. Yeah. Jeez, I was well into it by that stage. Yeah, no. Different, different world out there at the moment. It is uh, a different world, isn't it? Their generation. Mm. Makes sense. Mm. Outside of that, just. How's uh, your running gun? Have you beaten the 17 minute yet? Well, the old running is. It's Hard on the body. No, I, well, I have got a bit of an, had a bit of an Achilles problem the last few weeks. Nothing major. Can run through it, but it's just given me a little bit of jip. Um, I'll give you some jip. <laughs> yeah. So I've got to a stage where my, I'm going really well with anaerobic threshold work. Like my 10k, I did that 10k race a few weeks ago. Really happy with that. Reckon I've improved a little bit since then. So my threshold pace is good, but that extra step to get to my 5k pace is proving somewhat problematic. Uh, so running 330s, no problem. Can do that for quite a while. Yep. Running, uh, you know, 320s is proving problematic. And so if you, if, for people, I'm, I'm trying to do a sub 17 minute 10, uh, 5k, which means I need to average uh, 324 per k, um, and which means I need to be able to do some reps at sort of 315 yep. pace, and that's just not happening. <laughs> so try as I might, although the training has been pretty patchy, but still. When does the next big goal come? Because I know you've got Epic I'm doing a 5k this weekend. That'll be my last crack at it. And we'll see if I can go under 17 minutes. Uh, and then I'm going to do Everesting, which I'll do a segment. Oh, you're going to do it? Doing it. I've locked in a date. What date are you doing it? December 27th. You that little spit on my road? No. <laughs> it's taken quite a bit of thought. I've come up with a road that's not perfect, but it's going to be as good as I've got. And it's going December to be, the 27th, did you say? Yep. But you normally go away. Oh, it's over there, over there. Yep. No it's, no, it's in Christchurch. We're going away a little bit later this year. Okay. So... December 28th, December 27th, 28th is the, the, the rain delay day. Yeah. And yeah, I'll maybe do a segment on that. It's going to take a while. Well, longer than, longer than I anticipated. Basically, what are you thinking? Uh, it's going to be about close to 15 hours. Yeah. You know, by yourself? Uh, there's a few others that are expressing interest. Mm. Oh, well, you have to so that's the next challenge. And then. Because it really works for 5K run training. No, that's it. 5K <laughs> after this weekend, like running is nothing to me. <laughs> Although I've got to keep the running up because we're doing lots of some really cool runs on Epic Camp. So I need to be. Have some good endurance for those. Heavy base. Mm. Heavy base. What's happening for you, Bevan? Life, perspective on life changed at all this week. You know what? Because I didn't feel the death experience. <laughs> you know, I don't really have that. You yeah. know, like, you have a little bit, just because you spend a lot of time thinking, but I, because I didn't really feel like I was dying, mm. and, not, and it was probably never really that close, but for Joe, just that feeling for her. Um, if anything, you just feel... It's, I've got a lot of cool people in my life. Good. You know? It, it's, if you just feel... You know, I've got a great family... And um, when I woke up in the ICU, the lady who was the nurse, she said, geez, you're really loved, aren't you? And I thought, wow, mm. what a cool thing to hear. Mm. So I've definitely got a lot of cool people in my life. Um, what's, what's, my, what's my gosh, Johnny? Boring as batshit being in oh, hospital. Oh, my God. But you know what? I was so tired. It didn't really yeah. matter. You know, I was kind of just – and I, like I, was, I, couldn't even, I, was, I couldn't even bother watching Netflix. Mm. You kind of just – and, it, and so I'm, I'm, one thing I'm good at is times like that, I just know it will pass. Mm. You know, I know like it's just time. Mm. I'll get through it. So I wasn't too concerned. Um, the album release party's been released, John. Lock in the 30th. 30th. Friday, of, Friday the 30th. Album of, should be of this month, September. Oh, I'm not here. Who are you? We're in Kaiteri. Well, cancel your family holiday. I will. And yeah, my good. wife's birthday, which is two yeah, days before. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the album, this time yeah. next week, people can go and listen to it. Right. It's being uploaded to Spotify now. We're just waiting 
you don't really know when it turns up. Mm-hmm. But the album's going to be out, team. We're, oh, okay, here's the story. So you're not going to be able to party too hard on that date, are you? Well, I don't really party hard anyway, John. <laughs> so, um, so the album cover, I'm going to show John the album cover. Wait a second. Wait, so the album cover, here's the story. It was, it's been a long process because mm. A, Dave, Dave and I both tried to do it. We both got Canva. You know what Canva is? Uh, vaguely yeah, yeah. basically a design website yeah. both got Canva tried to do it ourselves both of us were not really happy with what either was coming up with I thought I found a genius one and he didn't like it and so then I said mate let's be honest we've got to pay a designer mm-hmm. you know if you want to do it get it done properly so I came back with a cover it was it was cool mm-hmm. but it was a bit punky because mm-hmm. when you think of punk rock you think um, you know like piece letters ripped, ripped out of the newspaper kind of stuff Yeah, and it was a little bit it wasn't completely like that but it was a little bit like that and we are kind of it was passable, mm-hmm. and I got to—I got to be honest. I don't think covers really matter a huge amount nowadays because mm-hmm. it's all digital. I don't think you know, like back in the old days when it was you know LPs or CDs, maybe they mattered a bit more. But I'm not quite sure how much they mattered. So I wasn't—I was like, ah, oh, you know, so be it. But then Dave said, "No, I'm still not." His concern was it's a bit too punky, mm-hmm. and I did agree with him. So we went back to the, and then we couldn't figure it out. It's so hard to design a cover, mm-hmm. and I said to Dave, "I like this idea of a foot, you know, like." coming down on the ground or something like this. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'll find a photo. And he was around at my house because we were doing a practice and I couldn't find a photo. He's literally getting up to leave. And I randomly did some weird search. And then this photo came up and I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. So we sent it through to the designer. He's come up with the cover. Look at this, John. Nice. It's pretty cool, isn't it? And it's our band logo on the shoe. Oh, cool. Yeah, so basically, if, to visualise for you guys out there, it's basically a, a kind of a Converse shoe and a pair of jeans stomping through a wall. Um, but on the side, instead of having Converse, here's our band logo. Mm-hmm. The album's called Rock, Roll, Repeat. It's a rock and roll, rock, roll, repeat. And uh, so we're really happy with the album cover. And so, yeah, it comes up. It'll probably be on Spotify on Wednesday, but I'll let you guys know next week. What's the name of the band? I See Tomorrow. Right. Yeah. So. Is an I, letter C. No, just I See Tomorrow. Right. In words. Um, but it's a pretty cool moment. Cool. You know, and, and we're really proud of the album. So next week I'll send the link to you guys or I'll put it in the show notes. We'll love for you to have listened to it. You know, it's so a, Spotify obviously they don't have to buy it, like you sell. No, it's just streaming. Right. Yeah, you, you got the um, paid version or the free version. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got a free version, I'm not quite sure how it works in listening to albums. Mm-hmm. I've got the paid version. But um it's a really good training music. Mm-hmm. Like if you like training, it's yeah. you know, I think yeah. So um next week and I've got a crazy marketing plan, but that's mm-hmm. probably a month away. Mm-hmm. But I'll, I'll let you know about the crazy marketing plan later on. But yeah, anyway, so it's it's been two years of work, so it's kind nice. of a cool moment. Yeah, so there you go. The album's out, team, and you can listen to it. I'll let you know next week. Excellent. Anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Edo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. kaha.